0: Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode comes from our then-Barbara Met Allen masterclass with directors Amit Sharma and Bruce Goodison, hosted by Directors UK board member Anna Thompson. Drawing upon clips from the acclaimed BBC film, Amit and Bruce discussed the process of co-directing, merging factual and drama genres, and working with disabled, deaf and neurodivergent cast and crew. We hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Um, welcome, everyone. We're delighted to have Bruce and Amit here to talk about their wonderful film When um, Barbara Met Allen. Um, I'm Anna Thompson. I'm Vice Chair of Directors UK. I make factual documentaries. Um, it would be great if you don't mind introducing yourself, uh, Bruce and Amit.
2: Um, shall I go first? Um, uh, I'm Bruce, and um, I've been a director um, of documentaries and dramas for too long to recall. Um, uh, I've made things like Murder by My Father, uh, Leave to Remain, My Murder, Dr. Foster, um, and I've also just launched a company called Indefinite Films to make largely fact-based dramas.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm Amit, uh, the co-director of then Barbara um, uh Before that, I did um, two um, short films on Crypt Tales that was um, produced by uh, Matt Fraser and Debbie Christie. Um, and I've got a long, kind of like established history with uh, with theatre directing. Um, I've had uh, shows put on at the National Theatre um, in in Manchester and internationally as well. Um, and I started my career with a with an amazing, brilliant theatre company called Grey Eye Theatre Company G R um, A E A E, a theatre company that um, works with and platforms deaf and disabled artists.
1: Thank you both. Um, We've chosen various clips to look at today and discuss, um, and they're sort of all arranged around various themes. Um, During those uh, sessions, I've got questions, but please, if you've got questions yourselves, just let me know in the message box. And then at the end, if there's areas that we haven't covered or sort of more general questions, there'll be time too. So we're going to start off with
0: one clip, um, the studio scene. We started things off by watching a clip of the studio scene from 20 minutes into the film. Great. Thank you.
1: So the first area we want to explore is co-directing. How did you two come together? How did you work it out? Who did what? Uh, Were there arguments? You know, how was it? How did it all occur?
2: Favorite question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shall I take the first bit? Yeah, go on. (laughs) Um, uh, So Jack and Jen's script is um, incredibly colourful. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of very complicated bits and pieces in there. And, uh, and obviously, it's, it's about something extraordinarily important and relevant. And um, when I first read it, I was like, Oh, my gosh, this is, uh, this is a challenge. Um, And I don't think I can do it um, without having someone with me that has a complete understanding of the world that I had a little bit of understanding of, but certainly not as much understanding as Amit. And, um, and I felt that, you know, I needed to work with someone that um, could could just join arms with me and, 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 and fill in spaces that I was, you know, I didn't have really a voice for, or a a language for, let's say. Um, And, and, and Amit, you know has you know equivalent skills but in a very different area um to what i was used to so um it wasn't it wasn't a hard decision to be honest to to first of all wake up to the idea that co-directing is actually a really beneficial thing for the project um and that amit was the right person for for me to work with amit do you want to add a bit more to that <laughs> i feel like <laughs> I feel... Yeah, you, you you pick up on that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I the, the the one the one thing I would say is, you know, um, I think it was, I think it was, it's, uh, it's uh, any any decision that the um, that the that the producers were going to make was was going to be um, a difficult one, um, because you know, um, and no, not just in filmmaking or television making, but in uh, other areas um, in 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 life, you know, disabled people. Are marginalised disabled people are separated from the the, the kind of main, mainstream, um, and you know getting getting ha, f- trying to find someone who could who could who could really translate um, Jack and Jen's script a- into the kind of um, the epic nature of what we what we kind of do. There'd be many people who who would say that you know they could have they could have done it, but you know from from my perspective working working with Bruce i i i came in with with uh, a level of experience that you've you've kind of said bruce but i also recognize that you know um working with you and, um and watching you um there, there was there was there were certainly things that i i wouldn't have even thought of um and even if i did know um what those things were um how to kind of how to kind of approach it uh, and getting and getting a whole team of people um creative and, and otherwise behind that that um uh that, that that style that way of working that that vision so you know um so yes it, it's um uh, the, the 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 collaboration for me was was one of was one of um, participating and, and, and being very much involved but it was also one of learning because um this was this was a one opportunity and they hopefully are going to be many more opportunities and so deaf and disabled um directors now are getting uh, the relevant experience um uh, not not an, an equal experience, but an equitable experience of, of filmmaking.
1: Um, so I've got a question that's come in, and it sort of can be wrapped into my next one. My next one was, you know, how did it work practically? You know, who did what? And we've got one question here is whether the disabled cast responded differently to being directed by Amit or directed by Bruce. Um, and <laughs> did you find certain directorial roles suited one of you better than the other?
2: Um, so, so. Well, because we... It's a good question. Um, because we started working in the rehearsal space um, and in the casting space, we were able to kind of find a language that we were happy to work within. And, um, and I think it sort of, we, we started, to, you know, we did ask ourselves that question, how are we going to start? How are we going to, how are we going to divide this up? Um, um, but I didn't think it was about dividing up as opposed to finding a way of working together. It wasn't like, you do that and I'll do this. Uh, we would just check in with each other and there became a kind of, um, uh, you know, I would lean on, I Amit mean, if I didn't quite understand how to, you know, for instance, because I think it's probably useful to talk in specifics, you know, um, it was something I think that Sophie, who's one of the interpreters here, was part of that we, we had a... Um, a rehearsal with the entire group of um, of the the main gang, if you like, that were centred around um, Barbara and Alan, the Dan, the Dan lot, and um, um, the whole sight line that needed to exist between people that were, you know, um, hearing impaired and other people, and where to position the camera and where to position other actors in, in inside a space was something I would not have thought of until someone explained that to me, um, which Amit did. And um, and certainly, uh, you know, the actors did too. So I think the process of making anything that's in a landscape that you're unfamiliar with is to ask directions from people that know that landscape. And I think that's pretty much what you kind of have to do in filmmaking anyway, but I think that it just is, you know... Um, rightfully, you know, um, more complex, takes more time. And so therefore you, you kind of have to, you know, you, you have to learn a little bit on the job. So I think as much as Amit might have learned a little bit on the job about, you know, this, this style of filmmaking, um, I learned a lot on the job from Amit and from all of the other actors about what, that there are different types of direction required. Would that be opportunity to say on it. Yeah, definitely. I
3: mean, it was it was definitely collaborative. It didn't it didn't feel like there was a um, a definition of of roles. And when we when we when when we were kind of um, both working together really early on, there was only probably three people that were cast at that point, um, which was Ruth, Matt, and Liz. Everyone else uh, needed to be cast. So you know, we 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 kind of looked at the looked at the tapes, got the people in, uh, got the actors in, auditioned them. Made decisions collaboratively. Um, the script, you know, um, when we when we when we got it to what we actually filmed with, went through a process as well. We did that we did that collaboratively um, together. Conversations with um, Susie Salvati, who was the um, the DOP, we did that kind of get together. Um, there was there was an inevitability about you know Bruce leading some of those conversations because of um, his experience. Um, but there was also space for, for, for me to kind of um, input. And, you know, um, I've, I've said it before, but, you know, um, it, it's been really great working with Bruce because he, he's, you are really open, um, and patient. <laughs> uh, in a non-patronizing way. Um, but, you know, there was, there was, there was space to ask, um, there was space to ask questions from, from, from my perspective. And I think there was space for you to ask your questions from your perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we kind of held one another in in, in, a, in a really collaborative like I use that word again that kind of collaborative kind of way. but um, I think sometimes one can get tied up in the the actual making and being on set side of things in the film. but with with the prep and with the edit, you know it was it was, a, it, was a, it was a kind of joint decision and I, I'm, I'm really struggling to find a moment where the two of us really disagreed on something. And you know, had to either bring someone in, or you know, just it just it just never happened because I think we we both had had a similar vision for it, actually, a, a similar idea of, of of what we wanted to kind of present. And I think that was that was like it was benefited by the script that we had and the performances that we that we that we then got.
2: I think I think yeah, I think it's true to say that the you know, in terms of that that preparation was super important, but it also there's a kind of as You know, directors that are out there will understand that there are there are the kind of practicalities of bringing an entire team, mixing a team with a variety of different types of impairment and from different kinds of communities um, into a set into a, you know, because obviously, as Amit's pointed out, it's, you know, TV and film. Hasn't necessarily represented deaf, disabled, and neurodiverse people in the past. So you know there needs to be a kind of greater examination of the kind of search that you would that you that you would normally do. And there was a lot of this. This is what we normally do, but actually you can't do that because you can't go through the kind of straightforward processes of casting and the straightforward processes of of of, of, of finding locations. We were very determined right from the get go to make sure that whatever we found and however we did it it was going to be you know facing people's uh disabilities or impairments in a way that made sure that we had locations that were you know always on a ground floor with that that were accessible and and multi-use spaces so we didn't have to do a lot of moving around um and not using the kinds of trucks that are kind of synonymous with drama filming which have these stairs that come down from them and have very narrow doors. You know, um, we'd heard lots and lots of horror stories of people um, uh, that had worked in productions where they could have been the number one or number two on the on the list, but still they were being made up on easy ups in the rain outside a, a makeup truck. It's just like it's unacceptable. You know, so we did. We did find that the world of filmmaking and the world of TV drama isn't quite equipped yet um, to cope with or to manage or to accept um, what it takes if you want to make work with and about deaf, disabled and neurodiverse people, you have to shift your thinking. And I think, you know, um, that's, that's I think what Emma and I were attempting to try to do with the way that we made the film, shift people's thinking.
1: And I think you know, regardless of the subject matter, um, in terms of co-directing, is that something that you will explore again? That it's beneficial. I mean, the whole idea that there's one single author. Why not two authors? I mean, are you? Is it something that we should all be open to?
2: Completely, completely. I I, I benefited enormously from the co-directing experience. And I think that it does feel like we should be heading towards spaces where we're not being so autocratic and so kind of like it has to be a singular authored It can be a singular authored, uh, you know, view, but it can be brought together by two, you know, two people who have, um, you know, complementary um, skills. Uh, and I don't think, I, I think that if you are going to try and make work Differently, you kind of have to think differently, and you have to kind of work together differently, um, and to a, to approach to to attract and, and and project to to different or different audiences. Really,
3: I think I think just just very quickly to add on to that is I think um, think about where where you're putting your value, um so with with this with with the, the co-writing and and the, and the kind of co-directing, what what felt important was. Um, um the different levels of experience however that was kind of defined whether that was in a, in, a, in a filmmaking technical aspect or working with disabled people um but hadn't but not not quite the, the same level of experience as the more experienced kind of filmmaker um you know the, the great thing that that dragonfly did was kind of go we, we're going to we're going to put value in both these kind of places and 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 see what what kind of comes out with it um and so that that's the thing i would encourage is if you if you're if you're doing a, a co a co-collaboration um think about think about where you're placing the value when you're when you're when you're making the film and prepping for the film and editing and all that kind of stuff
0: mm. thank you let's watch the next clip please we were treated to clips of then barbara met allen's protest sequences which appear 24 minutes in
1: so we've got a wonderful um seamless uh, mixture of archive and fiction there. Um how did that come about? Um why did you opt for that and, and how did you make it so seamless?
2: I think there's um I think there were there was an early decision that um we didn't have enough money to do the big set pieces, the big uh, the big kind of, you know, uh riot scenes and um and not and often you know, I'm, you know, coming from documentary and drama, I do think that we had such a rich archive of actions that it would have been remiss of us not to remind audiences that actually this stuff happened and it was super powerful and people did incredible things. Um, So really it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it, I couldn't, I I didn't do a great deal, a, a, a great job of convincing, I guess, the people upstairs that mixing Documentary drama was a great idea because everybody wanted a drama, but I said Look, we can we can make this dramatic, because it was about finding the cameras that shot the original material and mixing our footage with their footage and using the real location that they use, so the architecture is still the same. So it was about kind of gathering together all of the archive footage and measuring that out in a in 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 in, the, in a clever way, which actually that cleverness came from Chris Watson, who is our editor. Um, because uh, I think that that is that is an astonishing thing he pulled off because obviously we, you know, we provided the raw material. But that that way of of actually just making the two sing and work so seamlessly, um, I thought was a really, really clever piece of editing. Um, and it, it enabled an audience to kind of understand that, you know, it actually happened and we weren't just making it up.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely great. And then the actors themselves uh, to get into their parts. Did they look at the archive as well? Was it something they they were doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was something that I introduced in the rehearsals. I think as well, wasn't it? Yeah, when we when we had the, when we had the team together, um, the
3: um, uh, with Ruth and Arthur who played Barbara and Alan, uh, and the kind of like uh, principal ensemble, we we showed them footage of of telethon and um, and a lot of the archive that we had just to kind of give them a context because. You know, even coming coming onto the film before, and I, I didn't know a lot of this kind of happened myself. And I know Liz and I know Matt. You know, a really really long time, and they've they've kind of spoken about um the actions that they that they did. But but there's something about them telling you, and it's something about actually seeing them do it. Um, and for and for and for the team that then watched, you know, their heroes, um, and and heroines do this this um this type of action was really, really impactful. I mean, you know, not that they didn't underestimate the importance of, of this film and, and, and what it was trying to say beforehand, but it really kind of um, zoned in on on that and that importance even even kind of further. Um, so, yeah, it was they it, we, we just we just I just thought it was really important to kind of to kind of show them that uh, and not to make any assumptions about what they what they had or had not known.
2: It also, it also helped that uh, Liz Carr and, um, you know, various other protesters, Matt Fraser, um, were in the present. I know this is going to sound weird and a bit meta, but obviously having the real people in the present plus them in the past cut together is um, is is like, you know, was a was a map could have been very dangerous. <laughs> but fortunately, you know matt matt still looked pretty good and matt you know he looked like he did like you know 30 years ago which he was very happy to hear uh, uh and likewise liz um and because we used the actual old cameras like the beta sp cameras and the old video cameras they sort of they're quite forgiving in that like they're quite blown out so therefore this you, you, you you're not hanging around long enough to examine gun what's that was that Liz from the past or Liz from the future? Was that map from the past or map from the future? They sort of work together. Uh, again, testament to the skills of Chris Watson.
1: So, so, you were using those old cameras as well for that section. Yes, yeah, certainly, it certainly yeah. were. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We had
2: we had four or five different camera people, and also I made some of the cast. Actually, use the cameras as well. Uh, some, some some better than others, but that's that's okay because I think the kind of you know the kind of random nature of uh, of of self-shot material because a lot of people did take little handy cams with them. It kind of worked in the, in the whole kind of you know um, in the whole pace of it.
1: Yeah, and, and I, just I, just
3: just just one just one very quick thing just on on Matt and uh, and Lizzy for which is they 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 were very true. To their experience of what happened in the past. So if, if we said to them, can you be in this particular moment? They would say, No, because back then we we weren't part of that. You know, back back then there was there's a scene when they when, when the team are kind of planning one of the actions. And we had Matt in doing the script, and he said, Look, I just don't feel comfortable doing it because that's not accurate of what happened before. Then I wasn't part of the planning. I was, I was the plan, I was part of the doing, you know, and same for Liz. Uh, in, in, in moments where actions happen she said, well I wasn't part of this action. I was in this action, but I wasn't part of this one so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel right that I, that I'm there and that was that was a great guide for us um, because what we didn't want want to happen is those people who were part of the actions go you know criticizing the film and, and inevitably criticizing them about um, whether they're involved in, in something or not so um, so I just wanted to say that you know hats off to them for being honest. About what well, their role was. Well, it
1: makes it really authentic as well. It's true. Oh, yeah. And and then obviously I've seen archive mixed with fiction before, but in this t- in this instance, it was completely seamless. I mean, I was not working out what was I was just carried away in the story. So I think it works I think, I
2: think I think there's often an error that, that that directors make in um and they get convinced by directors of photography that um you have to shoot everything at the top the, the topmost quality in order to then turn down that quality. But you know, th- that that you've got to, i mean i know this is getting just like technical stuff but you know there's nothing that can beat the authenticity of the actual camera because the, the lens quality the tape quality it just it just sells it uh, whereas if you try and degrade alexa or 35 mil or whatever it just looks like you've just tried to kind of you know rubbish something that actually looks really great anyway
1: yeah and and at the end it, it- beautifully comes together when the real people, uh, they meet the real people in the bus. Yeah, but Everything comes together at the end. And that's, you know, it's a, a yeah. beautiful end. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of um, questions that come in. Um, was there a pushback from production with regards to cost, not being able to use the normal facilities, unit trucks, etc.? How did you manage to overcome these obstacles?
2: Oh, my word. That's a kind of production question. But um, we were, I mean, the difficulty of making fact-based dramas, any, anyone out there might understand that, uh, the budgets are very small and um because this budget was coming out of um coming out of factual out of documentaries and not out of drama not that you ever have a disclaimer to say this was cheaper than your regular drama when you when you watch it but uh it is cheaper than your regular drama and you know there is there is a certain skill um in in making low budget work um and you know you've got to know how to kind of you know keep keep the to keep the pressure up. I mean, you know, an hour's worth of drama, as people will know, normally it'll take about 13 days. We had 15 days to shoot this, which is still a a very short period of time, given the amount of locations uh, and yeah, the amount of stuff that's in there, the amount of scenes that are in there. Um, we, We were very, very, you know, fleet of foot. We tried to make sure that we had, you know, very few locations. We didn't pay as much as probably most productions would have to pay um uh yeah but it was you know the the the, the tension was there i i can't I, I won't sugarcoat it it was really hard we didn't have enough money straightforwardly you know um i don't know whether that answers the question sufficiently but it's as honest as i can be i think
3: i think i think in, ter- in terms of the access side of things i i don't I, there was there was no there was no issue around that like you know um there there, there was a there was an understanding of of um, from, from the production of kind of, we've got to, we've got to find and, and make things as accessible as possible, you know, um, otherwise it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be really, really difficult. So the example that you gave earlier, Bruce around, you know, having ground level access and, you know, having rooms where makeup, costume were, were all, were all kind of like inhabiting the, 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 the set, but we're on, we're on a ground level like that, that, that there was no kind of fight or pushback from the, from the production team, um, for, for that um yeah
1: yeah no, everyone was on board just, Dra- dragonfly were on board i mean it's their project they were totally they
3: were, totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. totally i mean yeah there was, there, was yeah. Yeah, the social the social model side of it that it's just not being just physical barriers but attitudinal uh as well um and so we had to kind of start on the front foot with with this stuff, sort of stuff because there'd be people coming in who wouldn't have had the in-depth knowledge around access um but but we had to kind of set a, as as uh, best a culture as we could this is sometimes we, we got it wrong like sometimes we got it really really wrong um and, and you know you, nothing's no nothing's gonna run as, as smoothly as you kind of um want it but but that wasn't through a lack of desire or through a lack of understanding that was just just it was just what just just kind of happened because there was all sorts of stuff going on
1: that's an interesting point that you know um you've got a sort of factual budget to produce drama quality and it's a complicated film to tell with, you know, uh, various different access requirements. So it's, it's frustrating that this kind of good work should actually be so much tougher that they don't just give correct budgets or things.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's that's a fair comment. And, and, and I think that um uh, I, I always, the anxiety is, um, you know, any, any broadcaster might look at this and go, okay, we've now done that, that tick that particular, box. Um, um, And I think that you I think if you if you're going to move forward and if there is a serious uptake in in trying to make um, films from communities that have been underrepresented in TV and film, there is again, I go back to that, that idea of having to think differently, you kind of have to budget differently and think differently to make and include uh work from people that don't see themselves reflected on tv in tv and film you have to invite those people in they don't come through the traditional means and it does cost more to make films with uh you know um deaf disabled neurodiverse people because you do need more time and no one's prepared to say that but we are we we've you know we've 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 lived through covid or living through covid and we're able to kind of very quickly set up covid regulations and covid detectives etc on set uh, and you know tests etc test centers which cost an absolute fortune and there's a budget for there's a budget line for those there's also a budget line if you want to go and shoot in scotland or if you want to go and shoot in wales but if you want to go, if you want to shoot with deaf disabled and neurodiverse people there needs to be a budget line and you need to go it's going to take you a bit longer it's going to cost a bit more but i'd also like to add that there are productions that i hear of where you know if um if the lead actor you know uh might want to get away to you know because i've got childcare or whatever there are composite you know people make they compensate for that and you'll shoot for eight, eight hours or whatever um whereas when it comes to deaf disabled and neurodiverse people why can't you just apply the same thing you know why can't you work for less hours but have a few more days crews won't mind working less than 12 hours a day i'm sure uh it makes people much more it makes people happier and and more productive so i do think there has to be uh, some fiscal thought um given to making work if you are a broadcaster and you're very serious about making work in this area then think about how to make it attractive to broadcasters so with production companies who don't want to see their you know their production fee uh you know um disappearing because they haven't got the right toilet.
1: Yeah no I completely agree and also children if you're working with children we change the hours according to it totally and I think yeah. also when you don't provide um, support it's not fair because you're setting up people to fail so you sort of okay I'm going to tick that diverse box but actually I'm not going to support them they won't be helped and then it will come out badly and they go away with that cloud under the, and it's exactly. about their work. Exactly.
2: Of so. course it shouldn't be apologetic. You know, it shouldn't be like, you know, Oh, I'm watching this cause I should, you know, we tried our damnedest to make sure we made an entertaining, entertaining piece of TV. This is a rock and roll love story of two, two people who had very different ways of protesting. Um, and, you know, they, won something in the end but it was a bittersweet victory and i think it was a, a universal story um and 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 i think that it's you've kind of got to get past this this idea that you're doing it because you have to you're doing it because it's entertaining and it's great it's a great story you know uh it doesn't matter i mean it doesn't matter but you know what i mean it doesn't matter whether it's deaf disabled or whatever it's just like is this a great story yes it's a great story does it involve people from deaf disabled and neurodiverse community yes it does great um, you know, it's it's kind of like, what are can we can we now explore stories with a deaf, disabled, neurodiverse cast and crew that aren't necessarily about disability politics? Yes, we should.
1: Yeah. No, and and also, I mean this is true innovation comes from hearing stories that we haven't heard and using different perspectives. So the fact that you yeah. are co-directing together, that we've got people with different abilities and different expertise, that's where true innovation and best stories are. So it's not, it's, it's beyond ticking the box, as you say, it's about that's where true creativity lies and this is what we should, we should be telling. Mm. Um, lovely. Oh, I've got one question here. Um, can you talk a little more about the origins of the story and how you developed it to script stage, what you made the decision, how you made the decisions you did and what happened next?
3: Wow, Amit, do you want to take that one? Sure. I think um, the the idea originally came from Richard Bond, who's the MD of um, Dragonfly, and he contacted um, Jack, um, and and Jack worked with Genevieve to develop the script. And I think um, in, in 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 the in the time span of it kind of being developed, I suppose me and Bruce at different points saw saw the script before we started to kind of work together. But really, we we when we when we when we got this when we when we were working together and we kind of had the script There were that the the arc of it was um was was kind of there but there were there were probably a, a few things in terms of um, in terms of the beats and in terms of the story that that we we, we um gave notes and feedback to to jack and 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 genevieve on. um and and you know with, with all the will in the world sometimes um you just you're just not able to film you know the the stuff that you've that you made amendments on and you know one of one of my one of my one of my sad regrets and it goes back to Bruce's point about having having enough time is um the story of, of Shivali the um the South Asian uh woman wheelchair user who's being taken up the stairs by her her brothers um because of the the housing that she's kind of got you know we 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 had two short scenes within that storyline that we weren't able to film because um the, the heavens decided to open and you know it was it was a washout for 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 a really really long time and we weren't able to pick up pick up that story um and yeah, Bruce has said it so many times but Chris Mason he's an amazing editor um <laughs> because because he's he's from the stuff that we did uh, manage to to kind of get still created an arc for for that story through through the edit but um the the, the story for Shiladi was that she had more interaction with with Barbara and actually, come to a realization of, of kind of finding her voice uh, as a, as a disabled person from 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 an, uh, from an already oppressed kind of community with with uh, with, with being South Asian, um, and you know, and so that that bit at the end when they're all at, um, at the the lobby of the Commons um, celebrating, it, it, if we if we'd managed to film the scenes that we didn't manage to film, that arc would have been a bit more clear and a bit more a bit more a bit more stronger.
2: I think I think I think that's true. I think that 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 that, it, that it's it's there and and actually has a big has a big kind of emotional resonance. I think that the the development now stepping stepping back a little bit. I mean, we did a lot of work I mean, with Genevieve and Jack in the room mm-hmm. with the cast because obviously we were making sure that we could um, totally immerse the the actors that we cast. the parts that were being written and i think that we had a necessary if you like melding between what jack and genevieve dreamt up in script and the people that were in the room to play those roles and we found that we could kind of create more space for the kind of skills that that um that some of those actors brought into the space so that was a very important change and a a move plus obviously we were putting in real people in certain situations i mean you know obviously the bit at the end and you know we we do have to mention that bringing barbara and alan along the ride was super important you know this is their lives um and the lives of dan and you've got to make sure that those people are honored and authentic albeit you can only do it in 60 minutes and a life in 60 minutes is a very accelerated life and if you are not part of the drama world, I think it's quite a disturbing experience to see your life, you know, projected and you've taken or dramatists will have to necessarily take liberties with a story in order to kind of, you know, melt down what is the essential element of that story. And of course, you know, Alan doesn't come out great from it, but it's very much Barbara's perspective, you know, Uh, but, you know, we did things like, you know, Alan wrote that fantastic music um uh, but we needed to alter it in order to bring it into the space of the film so that we had a punk aesthetic with it. So therefore we brought in Chaz, Chaz Janko from from the um uh you know from um the um um go on blockheads, blockheads yeah from the blockheads sorry enjoying the blockheads to rearrange the music and of course knowing that Arthur could play the trumpet which he let he let on in rehearsals was like great let's center everything around this trumpet so in terms of the genesis and coming back to that question the genesis of the script was very much in reaction to the people that we were working with plus making sure that we were honoring barbara and alan every inch of the way um, and keeping them informed about what we were doing and why we were doing it because i think it's very important if you are making fact-based work bring everybody with you don't let it be a big shock don't don't let don't get any legal action after you broadcast it. And I can guarantee that the way to avoid legal action is make sure everyone's involved very early and all the time.
1: That's good, good, good sense, good advice. And I know that the actors who played Barbara and Alan, um, because I was at the screening um at the BBC, they were you know nervous or, or you know really wanted to make sure that they they'd done you know done it well and that that Barbara and Alan were pleased and everything, and, and they were. That was very touching to see that they were really happy with the film.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
3: you know, you yeah, know, just there were, there, were, there were the the two the two other things that come to mind with that with that question. One was um, how we were going to utilize the the bus stop moments. Yeah, from them being in the, in the in the you know from Barbara being in the present and us jumping back off it, and you know what's what's the attitude for it? And you know, one of the one of the early conversations I remember Bruce asking me was like, where, where do you where do you see Barbara? You know what actually where do you see barbara um and and you know, i kind of gave like a like, probably fuzzy kind of kind of answer as per <laughs> usual um, but it, but you know I, I i'd like to think it, it led to great things so um so you know so, so we had to kind of really get our head around um a kind of abstract concept of 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 where she was and why she was talking to the to the camera um, and in, in the beginning sequence, she gets a projector out, and that's kind of like an, an initiation of, of why she wants to kind of tell the story because, because there's a nostalgic kind of look, look back. Um, so we we kind of we kind of found we kind of we kind of found that. And also, you know, what wasn't what wasn't written in, in the script at the beginning, but but through the edit, it was kind of felt that we needed a bit more explanation for the, the, the non-disabled audience members who didn't know about the history of of disability and how things were before to kind of to kind of have um barbara ruth um voicing over to kind of give to kind of give context so there's there's a there's a bit in the film when they're trying to get into the restaurant she can't get in because of the step and the door's too narrow and then alan kind of goes in and in 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 the script when we kind of when we were when we were shooting it there was nothing there we just we just followed the kind of emotional arc of it but then in the edit you know, um, it was felt that we needed to we needed to give a bit. more, We needed to spoon feed a bit more for people who who wouldn't necessarily understand what that moment was kind of about and what it was saying and where we were kind of coming from. So, so, so we found a way of um, of, of of making sure that we brought yeah. everyone along.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 a little bit of signposting, but I think the it's interesting how you've just reminded me Emma, of the. Um, um, you, we did a lot of work with the bus, the bus stop, I don't think was was in the script for a while, but, um, but the the opening titles, for instance, uh, for those of Keen of there are um, actual photographs of the real Ruth and the real uh, Arthur um, growing up, mixed with the real Barbara and the real Alan to try and demonstrate through that um, visual that actually the story we're about to tell um, can happen to anybody that might have experienced any kind of, you know, um, uh, anything to do with being deaf, disabled or neurodiverse and the, and the and the struggles of growing up and also some of the joys of growing up uh, and that actually it involves everybody. It's not just them, it involves everybody. So there was a, that was definitely something we worked on post-production.
1: That's great. And it is, it's very subtle, but, you know, beautifully woven into the graphics and the credits and everything. Yeah. Um,
0: could we watch the next clip, please? We then watched the ITV telethon hate watch scene, which appears 13 minutes into the film. Thank you. So
1: we've touched on this already a bit, but um, can you sort of talk more about the different accessibility requirements that you had from with the cast, whether you had access coordinators and you know how you, how, it, how it ran, how you came up with a plan of how to work with everyone?
3: Yeah, it was it was interesting. Like, with that with that scene in in the li- in the living room, um, when when we had um, placed um, each of the actors for it, um, there's was something like kind of instinctively I kind of felt that actually from Nadim's perspective, who was um, um, the uh, the deaf person in uh, in the group, it didn't feel like where he where he was placed. I can't remember where it was. I think it was kind of in the, in in the middle of the group where he was placed. He wouldn't he wouldn't be able to really. In real life be able to kind of access access everyone um and then you know we, we had like a side conversation and we're like you know where's blessed where's best to kind of place you and he was like well oh, i'll probably be placed here by the television because because of a visual thing because of the audio thing and then i can see everyone um uh, over across my right shoulder and kind of engage and then from from that um we 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 kind of spoke to the to the other actors who who, who knew a bit of sign. Some of them, some knew none, and we said like you know let's 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 um, give you some signs so then you can start to uh, interact with Nadeem as would, would happen if you're if if you have a friend who is deaf. You'll you may know you may not be fluent in BSL or sign supported English, but you know you 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 know some. And so, and so, we kind of experimented with with that, with with Nadim's help, as kind of a, what what signs would be kind of helpful? And not every deaf person's experience is, is the same. We wanted it to be true true to Nadim, and you know, Nadim lip reads, um, and you know, is, is 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 very very patient with uh, with with people's lack of uh, accessibility towards him. So, um, so, so we we kind of we kind of we kind of made it um, true. Um, and there's a, there's a moment in that scene where um, Pippa, who plays Sue, is fingerspelling the uh, the teacher's name to Nadine, um, and again that's something that that would be true, and and he and Nadeem is kind of clarifying it. Um, so we just we just we we we, we utilised as much as we could those those moments um, that wouldn't feel um, inverted commas alien to a non-deaf non-disabled audience, but but hopefully for uh, for a deaf audience and for a disabled audience. Who, who kind of interact within, within the within deaf culture and the deaf world would kind of go actually this has really been thought about um, from 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 everyone um, and, and the more that, the more that we kind of encouraged that through the cast it became quite infectious to the rest of the production team. So there were moments where um, we, we we didn't have enough room for the interpreter um, just to, to, to kind of give the the signal of like you know um, standing by an action. So the first AD and a second AD, and everyone else would, uh, would would kind of learn those those um, those signs um, to the extent when you know when Nadine was kind of called, you know the, the, the sign for ready, everyone kind of kind of knew. But then it just it just became a thing like you know I would love to learn more sign language, and it motivated others to kind of um, um, to kind of pick it up. So so like you know that that's for me is like the the, the kind of clearest example I can kind of give around uh, around accessibility and the impact that it had um for for us as a as a as a as a creative team but also as a, as a production team as well i don't know if you want to add any more bruce
2: i only i was only going to say that you know we even managed to do a bit of bsl improv there was a bit of swearing in there we had to pixelate some of the swearing didn't we <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether any uh, any interpreters out there could see the pixelated swearing that nadim threw into the telethon scene earlier
3: I think um, I, I,
2: I, lo- I learned a few great swear words.
3: Just just looking at just looking at Paul as he's interpreting, he's got a big smile. So that is, so in, in the in the background <laughs> behind <laughs> his eyes, he knows.
2: Well, Paul what knows. did you just do? Did you just stick two fingers at me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think I don't
1: know if you mentioned before that that they we actually had to start crib sheets, so, so they knew everything about each other because they were learning about each other. Or was that the case, or?
3: Um, we, we, yeah. we, what, we, what we did was we, 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 we set up, um, um, it was Bryony uh, Arnold who was, who was the producer, um, who, who kind of led on it, but we, ha- we had a, a, a document that was attached to every single email that went out every day um, that, that was like a, a, a guide on um, around language, around um, what to expect when you're coming onto on set. You know, it was it was it was as as clear as it could kind of be, so um so it was it was the, it was you know sometimes you just get people who are, who are working on 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 a on a day um, with us and then and then not seeing again. So we, we tried to, we tried to we we spoke about like you know getting the whole team kind of trained up beforehand, and there was there was session for um, the production and creative team who were who were more long term with the project to kind of to kind of attend and do a disability equality training. Um, uh yeah for 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 the for the production um i, I i'm not sure if, if everyone did get a crib sheet about each other and, and around their, their access needs I, I may have missed that bruce maybe i think
2: i think there was when we did the rehearsal there was um uh, a fair amount of exchange of um who the characters were that were playing so they could understand that in a basic way uh plus the sort of you know um yeah, the the because obviously we didn't match people to disabilities um, uh, or impairments, which was important. We worked with different, with you know, we 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 made sure that like in any production, whatever, if someone you know, uh, whatever the kind of physicality of that actor might be, we didn't just like with Barbara and Alan, there weren't you know identical. Uh, impairments at all so um it, i think that that is that what you were referring to i mean the crib sheet was was certainly to do with um making sure that people didn't say stupid things when people came on set um uh, and likewise you know um be too kind of you know on eggshells either i think we tried to make sure that everyone on set could ask very direct questions in a very direct way and not be patronizing not be piteous um it was a sort of you know we made sure that you know, because obviously, you know, if you picked up if you if you picked up by a rude taxi driver uh, that doesn't want to take your wheelchair, which happened, uh, then that can really set you up for the rest of the day, can't it? You're not gonna you're not gonna be in your best spirits to do your best acting. So some of this is self serving, but some of this is just like, yeah, we we kind of need to know how to speak to each other because if you don't know how to speak to someone, you'll often ignore them. Whereas if you do know how to speak with someone you can then have a proper conversation. We kind of just tried to make people feel a bit more, it's an overused word, but empowered to say things that they wanted to say, ask things, nothing was off, you know, I'm the worst person as anyone who's worked with me will know at uh, being, you know, uh so <laughs> I'll say some stupid things, let's say. And um, and, uh, and unfortunately I'd have Amit next to me to say the stupid things to uh, uh, so he can make, make it sound like I was saying something more sensible
0: great i think i think there's
3: there's um the, the, you, yeah perhaps 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 at times there was a bit of a sense check um yeah i think i think i think i think that worked two ways I, I i and i think those those kind of questions that that may be silly and and whatever i think i think depend on on uh where where they're coming from and the impact that they're kind of make, making and this is this is the conversation around intention versus impact like you know your intention may not be to and this is where it, this is where it becomes difficult. Your intention may not be to offend, but the impact that you create is is very is very much is very much that. And that that is that is harder to deal with. Where if someone's intention is to be discriminatory and the impact that they leave is discriminatory, you can kind of deal with that, right? And because of legislation, because of culture, because of all, all those other things. So so it, definitely on set, there was never a kind of uh, overt culture. And I would even kind of go covert culture to intentionally discriminate against disabled people because it just it just wouldn't make sense. And if something happened which, um, which which was inaccessible, so as a, as a, as an example, um, you know, I was I was I was uh, moving around on a, on a scooter. Week one, I didn't have a scooter, but then by week two, I you know there was a scooter put in place for me because um, the amount of getting up, getting down, moving from this place to that place uh was was beginning to be too much and because uh the the areas that i needed to access was different to the way to, different to the areas the actors needed to access i'd become kind of like them bumping along the kind of like um light light wires and, and all that kind of stuff now you know i was i was one of the senior leaders on on the, on the shoot so i was able to kind of go look can we can we can we kind of clear this up and 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 and, and make it more accessible which happened immediately and there was there was no kind of gripes um, but that's that's a set that we had set up for that to kind of happen. If an actor had kind of said it, would it be would it have probably would it have been given the same sort of thing? Or, or if there was a if there was a, a person who doesn't have that same level of power within the production, uh, who's on the production team, would this would the same level of courtesy kind of been given? Now that that's like another example of kind of going. The intention isn't to discriminate, but the impact of it can be far-reaching and that's because of the the power dynamics that kind of exist on set so um you know it, it'd be foolish to sit here and kind of go we got we got everything right and those power dynamics didn't exist i mean unfortunately they they, they did but um we we certainly got we, we certainly got to places of making these as accessible quicker than perhaps would have been if 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 um that culture and that mindset from 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 everyone wasn't wasn't there
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. There's sort of big issues. I mean, I think that's why uh, disability awareness training is so important and having more access um, coordinators, because obviously there's a lot of fear. And I remember working, making a film about mental health issues. And the more I got into it, the more I realised what was PC to say and what wasn't PC to say and that I shouldn't say someone is schizophrenic but someone that suffers from schizophrenia and then I got so worried about it I didn't know what to say and I had no bad intention whatsoever and the people themselves they were the first to say I'm schizophrenic or whatever it is so it's sort of when there's a you know a good intention people don't want to be on eggshells either but that's why I did a disability awareness training and suddenly I was like oh okay so that's it's just easy now so I think these things need to be mandatory like unconscious bias or like you know, bullying and harassment—all these things need to be. You know, it's crucial that we become more aware and confident to deal with all these things, which are vital in the workplace. And the, yeah. and
3: the more the, the more we see it represented on screen, the more we see, you know, deaf and disabled people on screen. Um, the, the 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 more there will be an appetite for for that equality kind of training to be to be taken up. You know, um, so yeah, and you know, Triple C um, recently won the 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 reward for. Um, the BAFTA award around, you know, the the, the level of support they're given to deaf and disabled people, and you know, one of the things that was said, which you, it's absolutely right, is kind of going, you know, everyone in the room making a making a pledge to um, to platform and promote um, deaf and disabled kind of artists. Uh, so, so the so the so the more you're around it, the more comfortable you can kind of get, and then you you know you you'll, you'll even get to a place where you can make um, silly comments like Bruce. <laughs> and, and not not be not be scolded for it because you know um, you you'll, you'll understand the culture a, a little bit more and you know in in, in the world of disability um, I think we thrive on gallows humour mm. um, it's just it's just the law so um, so you know um, yeah it's uh, it's it's a mixture of things yeah
0: lovely can we see the last uh, clip please and finally we watched a clip of the sex scene which appears forty nine minutes into the film.
1: That's a very beautiful scene. Um, how did you direct it? Did, did you work with an intimacy coordinator? How did the scene come about? Was it in the script? Or was it something that you came up with yourselves or
2: it was it, it was in the script. Um it's interesting how your segue from from disability awareness training and um and sort of you know intimacy coordinators. And I think they're sort of um it's sort of in the same space. I mean, you know. Um, and i talked about this scene a hell of a lot and um and also we talked about it a lot with 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 arthur and ruth but i think that um i think we were keen to make it very you know physically specific ruth was definitely uh wanted to make it physically specific um uh to her yeah her physicality and she, she was very determined to show her back for instance and show some of the the, the operations that had taken place there and and how and how you know and be be very open about what that looks like. That you can, and I think our, I suppose our challenge was together with Susie who was shooting it, because there's only Susie in the room, was making it not making it through the lens of what you know love making scenes look like in quote unquote normal telly, um, because they never really carry a proper narrative structure and we were very keen that this told a proper story this is a this is their goodbye and um and that that then locked in a whole lot of things and then working very closely with intimacy coaches makes it makes it very practical as well so you can have the beautiful poetry and uh but you then also have the practicalities of you know uh the things the, the bag the kit bag of, of weirdness that That intimacy coaches turn up with, uh, so you can't see certain bits and pieces, Um, and that that then turns it into a kind of quite fun in a way. It's sort of you know it it becomes like a stunt. Like okay, for this bit we're going to do that, and then for this bit we're going to do that, and the camera's going to be there, and the camera's going to move like that, and you're going to move like this. So we gently, gently from the rehearsal space. We gently gently worked into it without with without clothes that was Amit and i without clothes and then they didn't wear any clothes <laughs> what a bit of that's a joke by the way um, <laughs> which uh, bit <laughs> <laughs> oh dear bruce <laughs> uh, but, but it was it was a really great thing to have done for all of us we all felt very moved both doing it and watching it, I thought was a very moving piece of filmmaking.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the, actually I hadn't thought about the narrative, but it's, it's it works precisely because there is a narrative there, and it was always also beautifully done. But that narrative works really well, and it's interesting that it's just a DOP in the room to do it as well. That's right.
2: Susie yeah. was the only person in the room. Um, we were we were on a set, so therefore the walls were very thin, and you know uh, we could literally talk through the walls um if we needed to kind of go again or shift uh, positions or whatever it might be or if the actors felt uncomfortable they they had a kind of i suppose what could be you know traditionally called a safe word or a touch so that we measured out the point of you know penetration and the point of orgasm for him and there would be a kind of a pinch that they would use so they knew where they were in the if you like in the in the in the in the story of their their sexual uh, in in uh, the story of their sexual encounter.
1: Brilliant. and were the actors? And, and there was
2: only there was only four people who were watching it. As well. um, yeah. yeah. Which was just you my- know who they were, met Who were those four yeah. people?
0: You,
3: you, me, script supervisor, um, and the intimacy yeah. coordinator were the only were the only four people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was agreed
3: with with Ruth and Arthur. Yeah. That, was, was, um, that that's that's who they felt comfortable watching it as totally
2: totally yeah yeah and
1: the actors were comfortable right from the beginning or that they were a bit nervous and then they got got into it or well, how did that work though i think i, um, I
3: don't think they, i don't think they were they, i don't think they were nervous
2: arthur, they were... Was, arthur was arthur i think was was was, was, was I think you know we often think that the men are going to be hey it's great yeah i'm just gonna go right. in there and do some love making but to be honest i think that you know looking back on it um, I know that Arthur had more questions yeah, yeah. Um, and probably was less confident about um, exposing because it is very exposing um, both, you know, spiritually and also physically very exposing. So um, I think that Arthur, you know, they needed to help each other and they needed, to, we gave them, I remember I think in the rehearsal, remember, we gave them space on their own yeah. so they could work out, you know, rather than, two directors breathing down their necks going, "Yeah, well, how about you put a leg over here or you nozzle into him there or you do that. It's like, we didn't do any of that. It was, you figure out what you want to do and we'll come in and out and sort of try and figure out, you know, how to extend a moment or or, or, or accelerate a moment. Because uh, obviously, you know, film time and lovemaking time sometimes might be the same, but <laughs> often often they're shorter, right? So, so um, Which one kind of, shorter? Well, in, term, in terms of I'm like 15, you yeah, know I'm what joking, I mean, but, uh, but, there, but it, it is it is like how how can you condense something that actually you do need time to show is 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 a, is again a bit of film trickery. But I think we we're trying to be as honest to the storytelling that someone had died. They were in mourning not only for that person, but also for their relationship. Um, so although there is a goodbye scene later on, this was the actual uncoupling of their relationship.
1: Yeah, it's very poignant and works works very well. Um, I'm going to open it out to sort of wider questions now. So um, the audience, please do... Uh, send over your questions if you have any. Uh we've touched on this a bit with some of the elements, but can you talk a bit about style? So you sort of you talked already about Barbara talking to camera. I think there's a lot of humour in it. So there's a lot of use of graphics and animation. Um, so what was your uh, vision for the style and how did how did you come about it? How did how did you devise your the style for the film?
2: I think um largely you kind of read a script and it speaks to you in a certain way and a certain colour and a certain pace. Um, and, you know, Jack was very keen that he'd push it into a punk aesthetic. And so that was a very good starting point for all of us. So it meant that we could look at 90s graphics of Xeroxes, have a very kind of cut up feel, which which was very popular at the time, quite lurid, quite contrasty colors. Um, and we worked very strongly with, uh, you know, with um, art department and um, and with costume to ensure that they could clash or work together. So there was a texture to things that was very important. Um, And also what we shot it on. And when we chose to use the big camera, the little cameras, the 16 mil cameras, like for instance, we made a very early decision that all the musical numbers be live, not pre-recorded, although we did do some rehearsals in the studio to make sure that it all worked and the arrangements worked. But when it came to it, it was very important to art for Arthur and the rest of the band to play live to an audience. And this, the, you can't, you can't fake that. I don't think it always looks fake um, backing tracks and all the rest of it. So that was all shot on 16 mil. So it looked like a grungy old gig, you know, and then, uh, and then all of the personal material was all shot on the Alexa. To make it feel personal and interior and drama, and then everything public, all the protests, etc. They were done with this mashup of um, of stuff that we shot to look like like archive and archive mixed with it. So these were very early decisions that we made, and then we kind of tried to stick to those, you know, those those boundaries. Um, was that was that pretty? Was that what it was, Amit?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, the, the um, there the, there was there was there was one moment within the um the paint throwing scene of the bus stop, which you know um was 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 very specific when when we got the script and it was like you know we were kind of under this perspex. Oh yeah. Um, um, you know, kind of like surface, and we could see wheels kind of like going past, and then paint kind of and, da, 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 da. and
2: the camera is supposed to be underneath it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then we said, you can't do that because we can't find a piece of glass big enough uh, or safe enough for people in wheelchairs to wheel across uh, with the stripes of paint. Fantastic image. If we we're in Hollywood, we would have shot it. So therefore, as I'm, um, yeah, yeah. So we, we chose a different route. Yeah.
3: And, and I think you should talk a little bit about that because because I think it was uh, that that's an example of like I, I probably wouldn't have come up with the idea of, of using a company like Itch um and and what
2: they kind of do i think you should yeah yeah sure cool. so so um itch came on board um in prep um itch do kind of what i would call handmade um effects as opposed to um you know everything in camera as opposed to in post so um the bits of animation with the van uh which were quite playful we had different backgrounds they looked like they might be in a jungle one minute and then in the m62 the next Um, and, uh, and equally with the, we had this time slice idea where if you've got splashing paint around an area, um, we used, um, what is called time slice and on film where we'd expose a length of film around an action. So it froze that action, but you can move around the action as if it's three dimensions and that fit really well with the energy of what we wanted to do within the, the paint splattering scene. So it becomes a kind of. A beautiful thing in in and of itself, but also looks a bit kind of punky and grungy and pop videoy, and um, and it just seemed to fit the energy of the moment, you know.
1: So things like the cars within different backgrounds that was also done in the moment. You, you were the, filming
2: that, that. That was yeah. That, <laughs> That's really cool. That, that was very that was very handmade. I mean one of the one of the things that I was quite that I used as a as a um, as a reference was. Um, um and i always forget the name of it even now i forget the name of it and i'd always have to be reminded of the name of it it's the um it's the film it's the cars in front of it uh, it's the it's it's about the two the it's about mallory and um and the guy woody and woody Harrison. um come on actual born killers there you go thanks sammy Natural Born Killers. So the beginning oh. of Natural Born Killers, you see their American car with lots of like mad back projection and horses. And and I just enjoyed that that kind of punky aesthetic and thought, okay, let's try and do a bit of that. And so we did a bit of that with the wheelchair as well, going down, um, you know, uh, the, park, going down yeah. the park. So that we, we knew that we don't have the money for that level of stunt. So I was like, okay, let's have like, you know, sunflowers opening and mad back projection and you know, um, and, and and do it in a in a much more kind of punky made up kind of fashion that still can encapsulate the excitement of new love.
1: I suppose it also shows that financial constraints can sometimes be, make you be very creative. Yeah, not, not that we always want to have financial constraints; we'd like to have the big budgets. But I mean, yeah. you know, the biggest budgets movies aren't always the most creative or the most interesting. You know,
2: exactly. And there was a really, it was a really bad film called Mac and Me, which was also a bit of an inspiration. There was a kind of mad car chase where I don't really know if any of you remember it, but it it, it was with a, a wheelchair user who had a, a sort of a, a kind of a, a, a kind of fake ET character that they were kind of running away from secret service and were weaving in and out of traffic. And it was just such a bonkers scene. I just thought, yeah. okay, yeah. I'll have a bit of that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, the film's fun as well, which I, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's
2: a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, what did Ruth and um, Arthur bring to the parts? I mean, I remember going to their Q and A and being very touched that they said it was sort of, they were parts of a lifetime, you know, they're delighted to have played those parts and also that growing up, they'd never seen themselves represented. So, um, I just thought those were really sort of crucial points, and um, yeah, what what did they bring?
3: I mean, for me, they, they, <clears throat> it's really hard trying to trying to play a a, a living breathing person um, because there's always the the pressure of that person not liking the performance you, you've you've kind of given, and you know, when when Ruth first met Barbara, for example, Barbara was like, you know you're not going to do it in your accent, you're going to do it in my accent, you know, and, and Ruth's from um Bolton and, and Barbara's kind of like, you know, London. Um, and you know both of them really worked so hard. They really worked so hard. Um, because they because they cared and they and they 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 didn't want to you know get it wrong. And I suppose when you have such um such an opportunity where it's um, going to be seen by so many different people. You know the the responsibility that you have when when it's, it's 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 potentially a seminal moment for for them and their careers. That 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 pressure that you have not not to get it wrong for for so many different people and for so many different reasons is is, so is fear.
2: Fear. Fear was the biggest driver. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. But but. Is- Get but I think run. responsibility.
2: I think responsibility. Yeah, yeah. you no. Agree- I'm joking. I'm joking.
3: I know. I know. I know. But you, you're right. There was. There was. There was fear. But I think the responsibility aspect of it, which you know, if you are from a from a marginalized community, talking about your community to uh, a wider audience, it just. It just has. A, it just has a different kind of um, pressure and responsibility, and so they, they took it. They took it so so seriously, and you know, really, really fortunately, they both got along with each other like a house on fire. Um, and I, rem- I, I I remember the focus puller, um, saying, on uh, uh, after day one, he goes, "Are they a, are they a couple in real life?" Because he goes, "Their chemistry is out of this world." Um, and so you know they were they were really supportive of each other. They were really supportive of um, the the ensemble. They they took great care of the supporting artists as well, um, and and that that helped the camaraderie. Of, of what we were filming, um, and so those those scenes where it was in the crowd became really easy because it wasn't like they were they were behaving, you know, as the worst type of a listers. Actually, they 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 really um, made themselves a, a, a available um, to 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 kind of everyone to kind of go, you know, this is this isn't just the film about us. This is a film about us, the collective us. Um, which was which was really really beautiful. So you know it's 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 hard to I, I know like you know um, when Jack and Jen were, were writing it, they had Ruth in mind for Barbara. Um, so for Arthur to come into that space where we 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 we, we you know it was an, it was a regular kind of audition process, um, and 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 to kind of match Ruth, who's got more screen experience than than he has, um, although you wouldn't notice it, and and with a lot of the other ensemble like people like Reese who play Billy. You know, the camera just I, loves him, and and Adim and and Sue, and, and Fergus. So, you know, um, it it was there was there was there was a, there was a great banter on on set, but it was it was it was respo- it was about responsibility, it was about care, it was about getting it getting it right. Um, and you know, I I I don't want to I I hate to blow the blow our trumpet too much, but 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 you know, we 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 gave them uh, the opportunity, I think, to fly because of the the set that we were kind of running. Uh, and the people that we are, um, you know, um, we we don't really bring egos into the into into our space. Um, we bring a lot of laughter and a lot of joy and a lot of seriousness actually mixed in. So I think I think that kind of set set the tone for everyone really.
2: It's it's interesting as well that when you when you when Ruth and to some degree Arthur like if you look at the there are some moments like at the end of the protest scene where. Arthur is likening it, likening the, the, the struggle to um, the apartheid struggle. And uh, we were pretty keen on making sure that Barbara was, you know, uh, or the Ruth's version of Barbara was going to be as true to the kind of slightly flinty, dry, sarcastic, witty, uh, you know, and, and very ballsy real life Barbara, who was obviously coming on set as well. So, uh, it, we were quite determined that Ruth didn't do a lot of crying and um, but there were just points where you know you are literally in in that moment in a way that felt that the hand of history that was impacting on the performance and there was a lot where we had to just try and pull the emotions back into Barbara's space as opposed to Ruth's space if that makes sense and uh, you know and then obviously the finals, final scene when she finally meets the real Barbara on the bus. And we've got the entire cast and team there as well from the past and the present, if that makes sense. Um, real and, you know, the, the 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 emotions were so, it was at the end of the shoot as well. So, you know, poor Ruth was just in total bits at this kind of collision of of the weight of history, the real Barbara, and uh, and the end of the shoot, it was a it was a s- supercharged emotional moment, you know, um, uh, and it, it it that that collision, I think that's when, you know, the skills of the directors, et cetera, come into play, because you have to be very, very kind of clear minded and harness the, the objective of the moment even though you are mixing fact, fiction, past, present, real and fake, it's just like um, making those things kind of pull together uh, takes a great deal of commitment from everybody because you can unravel so badly, you know.
1: I mean, I think the way you're describing it, I think you managed it really, really well and the way you ran the set as well as exemplary. I mean, it's just, it's been fascinating to hear all the details. Um, I've got one uh, question that has come in, which is uh, sort of similar to mine, which is about the future as well. I mean, several features, you know, the actors, um, you know, are, are they going to start, I mean, one of them, I think, is it the national? So what, what, what's sort of their future looking like? Might you work together? Will there be more work like this? And will um, there be more opportunities for this kind of work? And also this kind of work for actors, but not about disability as well. So how do you see your individual futures and those are the actors and the sort of the whole um, scenario? Oh,
2: big one. That's a big question. I mean, like, you know, I would, uh, I would love to work with them again. And, um, and we've talked a lot about how we can, you know, change um, in some small way, the way that broadcasters think about commissioning, because we have had a couple of opportunities and a couple of moments where we have tried to pitch things into these, um, you know, often you get these things coming around where you know, a broadcaster wants to suddenly, because obviously, you know, uh, Coda wins an Oscar, there's, it's a bit more, it's a bit more, you know, it's raised its profile a lot more. And so there's this kind of want from the industry to have deaf, disabled, neurodiverse talent making work that is what they call competitive with regular commercial work. To which, you know, our answer would probably be, well, there's a reason why, it's not there because these people don't see themselves represented in the same way. So you've got to, you know, again, you've got to think differently. Um, you've got to find other spaces in order to find those people and train those people and support those people. Um, sure. There are, there are, there are a few doing some fantastic work. I mean, Coda being one, you know, but I think, you know, we want to push um Being able to, I'm a strong believer that if you do things differently, it does look different. And I think our industry is one that can develop and change in a way that several industries can't. And it can, but only if it's including lots of different types of voices in it and different ways of working. And I think that's what Emma and I are quite keen to pursue, just different ways of working in order to make work different.
1: It's an amazing response. Um, Well, thank you, Bruce, and I we're going to have to wrap up up now. Thank you for making the film, because I think it's a hugely important film. um, And and thank you for doing it so well. And thank you for coming on to talk about it as well.
2: Pleasure. Thank you. Thank Thank you for for, for such clever questions. And thank everyone else out there for for those difficult questions you threw at us as well. Big thanks to Sophie and Paul. Thanks both very much. And Directors Um, UK, look, thanks for giving us the the platform because, you know, it's important that we can share what are unusual and different experiences of directing. And, uh, you know, thank you for giving us that opportunity. You're very welcome.
0: This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.